When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and we're going to talk about the futures. We're going to talk about the importance of them, how it relates to the overall market once the indices open, how much importance should you put on the futures. And today's email comes from a person we're going to call Daisy, a good old Southern redneck name here. Daisy writes, hello, Ryan, I hope you are doing well. Just a quick question. Do you follow the pre-market futures and yields? I find myself looking at the pre-market futures on the indices a lot. And a good amount of time, the futures don't necessarily act out when the market opens the same way that they traded in the pre-market. Also, on Bloomberg News, they always seem to be talking about the yield curves, etc. Is it essential to know about yields? Regards, Daisy. All right, Daisy, good question. We're going to get to that and more. But first, what am I drinking? I am drinking First Call Cask Strength. First call cash drink. This is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. And to the eyeball, it's got this like light brown honeyish looking color to it. And to the nose. Oh, man, this sucker burns the nose pretty good. It's strong ethanol. Holy cow, that, that really burned pretty good. Also, you smell a little bit of this almond flavor to it. Don't know if I've picked up too much on that before in other bourbons. But to the taste, you got this like licorice flavor like strong strong licorice flavor a little bit of corn a little bit of vanilla and to be honest i don't know if that's the best combination i really don't like the licorice flavor much in any of my drinks and for a finish again that ethanol comes right back very mild kick at the end not a ton of spice i would say the smell has more of a kick than the actual finish which is not something you usually see there's not a lot of redeeming features to it for one I don't like the ethanol finish. I don't want an ethanol smell. The color is a little bit on the light side. And to the taste, I mean, I don't like licorice. Now, again, it comes down to, you know, water is 4.3. Would I rather drink water at a gathering than this stuff? No, I, I would probably still drink this stuff. I have a hard time giving it more than a 5.6. And that may be a little bit on the generous side. 5.6 is about as high as I can go. Oh, by the way, too, it's 53.6% alcohol which is part of the reason why it's getting a little bit higher of a score, 107.2 proof. 
But that's about all I can give it. That's the only positive thing going in its favor. First call, cask strength. Definitely wouldn't buy it. Definitely wouldn't. Uh, I might be gifting this to a friend or something here, hoping that they like it better than I do. All right, well, back to Daisy's email. So really the gist of this podcast is about yields and futures. First off, futures are really an extension of regular trading hours. Now, it's two different arenas. You can be a futures trader. You can be an equities trader. But if you're an equities trader, it doesn't make you a futures trader. And if you're trading futures, it doesn't make you an equities trader, right? So it's two different areas. But if you're simply a spectator of futures, it's going to give you a good idea of how the market's going to open. For the most part, futures are traded 24-5, Monday through Friday. Now, they close down on Friday and open up Sunday night. I know I say 24-5, but yet there's only one day where it really doesn't trade. But for most of Sunday, it doesn't trade either. So I say 24-5, but it's kind of like 24-5.5. But if you trade futures, it requires a lot of margin. You're essentially leveraging yourself quite a bit if you're trading futures. That creates a lot of issues when it comes to risk, and you really don't want to be putting yourself into that position. I know that when I traded futures in the past, and it's been a long, long time that I've traded futures, it was a lot more stressful. I felt like at any moment I could capitulate. And I know I say that about stocks all the time. I always assume that you can blow up your account, and that's true. But with futures, it's like every given second I felt like I could blow up my account. I don't like that feeling. I know everybody's different from a risk standpoint, but I always felt like futures trading opened me up to capitulation at any given moment. And that was really the reason when you saw back in 2020 from the COVID crisis when the futures for oil or crude went to negative. I was very much tempted to buy. Essentially, I'd be buying it and they would be paying me to buy crude to take delivery of it. It was the last day of the contract. It's trading at negative $37 for a barrel of oil. Now, the problem is, is that I didn't have a place to store like a thousand barrels of oil. I think that's what it is. It's a thousand barrels of oil that you had to take delivery on. Where would I put that at? I couldn't put it in my backyard. I didn't have a swimming pool I could just, you know, empty it into. And then even if I did have a place to store it, how do I sell it after I take delivery of it? Like, am I just going to go down to the local refinery and say, hey, you guys want some oil? I uh, picked up some, you know, the last time oil went negative. How about you guys give me $50 a barrel, you know? In theory, it sounds like it could have worked out really good, and maybe it could have, but in that particular moment when oil went negative, you're having to make a split-second decision because it was right before the futures market closed. So I didn't do it. I mean, you know, if I knew it was going to do that again one day, maybe I would have a plan in place, but oftentimes the market doesn't give you a repeat at something really phenomenon-driven, and that was certainly the case when crude oil went negative. So there's a lot of leverage there, a lot of opportunity to blow up your account. I would definitely say a new trader should never trade futures. It's just so much risk to it. Even experienced traders, I don't feel comfortable trading futures because, again, I think it's very easy to blow up an account because of the amount of leverage that you're playing with. But, you know, per Daisy's question here, futures are an extension of regular trading hours. When the regular trading hours, which is 9.30 a.m. Eastern till 4 p.m. Eastern, shuts down, the futures keeps trading. It'll shut down for a little bit and then open back up at 6 p.m. That's an extension of what's already happened on the day, but it's just through a different financial vehicle. Now, at 9.29 and 59 seconds, if you're seeing the futures for the S&P 500 up 100 points, is there a good chance that in that next second that the S&P 500 is probably going to reflect about a 100-point gap higher? Yeah, it is. Because once the regular trading hours opens, those two tend to reflect each other quite accurately. But now a lot of people will get futures confused as being some kind of crystal ball to where they'll look at the futures in the morning. He says, oh, futures are up 50 points on 
the S&P 500 or on the S&P futures contract. And so we take from that, oh, the S&P 500 is going to finish up 50 points on the day. No, that's definitely not how it works. It's just showing you what it's currently trading at at that particular point in time as if it was an extension of regular trading hours. And then as you get closer to the market open, it's going to better reflect what it's likely to open up at. So at, like I said, 9.29 a.m. and 59 seconds, if it's trading 100 points higher, then yeah, in that next second, it's probably going to open up right around that 100-point mark. But it's not a predictor of the future because once the regular trading hours come about, you could have a huge sell-the-news event where all your traders are selling into that gap higher for the S&P 500, drives down the S&P 500, and it drives down the futures as well. Every second, every minute, every day is a new data input for the market. There's nothing out there that predicts the future. And the futures, despite their name, are not predicting what the market's going to do the next morning. It's telling you at that moment in time where the S&P 500 is at, what people are willing to pay to have a contract on the S&P 500. Same thing with like the metals and the grains. Like if you get a contract on gold, that's where gold futures are trading at at that particular moment in time. Same thing with silver or if you're getting hogs, or if you're getting orange juice, or if you're getting anything futures-related. It's the price that you're willing to pay at that particular moment of time. If the S&P 500 is trading 100 points higher in the middle of the night, could that change by 9.30? Absolutely. But at that particular time, that's where the S&P 500 futures contract is at. Now, you'll also see through the evening certain things that can affect the futures. Like if there is something here in the United States that causes a big sell-off. Let's say a terrorist attack happens or you have a war that breaks out unexpectedly. Yes, that's going to affect the futures. Russia and Ukraine, when that broke out, that caused a huge impact to the futures market. In fact, every night around eight o'clock, you start having the Asian markets opening up and depending on how they're going to do is going to have an impact on the futures market. And then starting at about two o'clock, your European countries start to open up their regular trading hours. At 2 p.m., you might see a spike of some kind, but at 3 o'clock, oftentimes you'll see big market reversals to the upside or to the downside, and it completely wipes away whatever the futures market had been doing up until that point. In fact, during this huge market sell-off, we've seen some of the biggest moves happen right when the European markets open, and that impact that it has to the futures market drastically impacts the way that the market's eventually going to open the next day during our regular trading hours. Also, what's important is to sign up for SwingTradingTheStockMarket.com. You're going to get all my stock market research each and every day with SwingTradingTheStockMarket.com. Videos galore. I'm sending out multiple videos each and every day on updates on the overall market, updates on all the big tech stocks like NVIDIA, Tesla, Apple, Amazon, Meta, Netflix, Google, Microsoft. And on top of that, I'm sending you out my watch list each morning and additional trade ideas throughout the day. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. In the process, you're helping this podcast continue the fine work that it's done now since 2017. Now, Daisy also asks about yields. Is this important to look at? You always hear about on CNBC or Bloomberg, they're talking about inverted yield curves. Is it important? Yes, it's important because the market deems it important. Now, this year, I've paid more attention to the yields than I ever have in all my years combined. Last year, I was paying attention to them, but nowhere near the amount that I've been paying attention to them this year. CPI report, Consumer Price Index, that's what measures inflation, right? We all talk about that these days. It's the big economic report that comes out each month. Huge. 
I've paid more attention to the CPI report than I ever have in all my years combined. Same thing with the producer price index, the PPI. And why is that? It's because it's what matters to the market. The market's trading in big ways off of what that CPI report does because it impacts what the FOMC statement will eventually say or what the Fed's going to do in regards to interest rates. So the CPI matters. Now, if we're in a bullish market and we're not worried about inflation, inflation's tame, it's around one and a half, two percent Does the CPI report really matter at that point? No, not unless there's like some major spike in it. But the CPI report usually doesn't have a massive impact on the market. It's not until it becomes a problem that the market cares about it. Yes, there may be times where we have 2% inflation where the CPI might matter for some one-off reason. But by and large, it's never meant as much as it does right now, or at least in recent history. CPI report's huge. PPI report's huge. There's even times, and by and large, FOMC statement is always important. But if you go back to like 2019, if you go back to even years before that, there was plenty of times where the FOMC statement was almost like a no news event. We knew they weren't raising rates. They were going to keep them at zero. There was really no reason to get worked up. I think it was back in 2020 where they said, oh, we're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates until 2023. Well, they're definitely thinking about it. Or in fact, they're heavily in the action or in the habit of raising rates on a very regular basis right now. Every six weeks, 75 basis points the last two, looking to make it another 75 basis points next month. I tell you all this because what matters to us should be what matters to the market. We should only care about what the market cares about. GDP, for instance. GDP doesn't have near as the impact of late that CPI has. Yes, it still impacts the market, but nowhere near what the CPI report tends to have. Now, in years past, that was never the case. Years past, GDP would have a much bigger impact. I remember there's been times where all we cared about is what China's market was doing because that had a direct tie into what our market would do. And remember oil earlier this year when we were hitting like $120, $130 a barrel? All we really cared about was what was oil doing. Now, okay, the oil market can rally 4 or 5%, but it's well off its highs enough to where it doesn't have near the impact that it did early on this year. So it's essential to know what matters to the overall market. What is the role of the FOMC? What's the role of the PPI, the CPI? What's important to the yields, the inverted yield curve? All those things are important right now, and we have to consider it into our trading because the market deems it necessary to consider it. I'll give you another example. Five years ago, I would never decide not to get into a trade because the CPI report was the following day. Let's say it's 345 and this setup looks amazing. Five years ago, I would get into it, not caring the fact that there was a CPI report coming out the next day because the market really didn't care about it. But today, would I do that? No way. Markets care about earnings reports, right? Every one of them. That's why I don't trade earnings because it's too difficult to know how the market's going to penalize or reward a company based off of their earnings report. So I avoid that. So remember, when you see the news talking about something or you see in the market reacting to particular economic reports or to how a particular stock is doing or anything for that matter, if the market cares about what the weather's doing, make sure you know whether it's going to be partly cloudy or a chance of rain tomorrow. Because if the market cares about it, you should care about it too. Now, there'll come a day where PPI, CPI, the yields, they'll take a backseat to the FOMC or to GDP or to jobless claims or to the employment number. More than likely, that's going to happen. But until then, these things matter. There's plenty of economic reports out there right now that I couldn't care less about, and I don't focus on them very much. But when we're talking about these other ones, heck yeah, I'm paying close attention to them. 
So remember, futures, they're not a predictor of the future. They're an extension of regular trading hours of the equity markets that close at 4 p.m. The future markets continue to trade throughout the night and into the following trading session, in which they also continue to trade through regular trading hours as well. But just because it's up 50 points doesn't mean that the market's going to finish up 50 points. You can have intense reversals because there's such a huge influx of volume that comes in during regular trading hours. If you ever look at the volume of futures overnight, it pales in comparison to the volume that you see in the futures during regular trading hours. Why? Because there's more people that are actively trading during the 9.30 to 4 p.m. time slot. And so that's going to have a much bigger impact or influence on the ultimate direction of where the markets close out for the day. And if you enjoy this podcast, I would encourage you to leave me a five-star review. Those things really do mean a lot. They help me out incredibly. And make sure to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com as well as sending me your questions, ryan at shareplanner.com. I do read them, and I try to put almost every one of them on air. So make sure to keep sending me those questions, ryan at shareplanner.com. Thank you, guys, and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Share Planner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on Share Planner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Yeah.